0: How many have enjoyed being a part of the real groups? Isn't it great? Uh, the Lord's doing a wonderful work. Let me, let me just kind of explain how this real series is working. The first four weeks of real are focused towards us learning how to share our faith and tell our story, learning how to be relevant, engaging, authentic, and sharing life with people. And the second four weeks, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, is real stories in which we're going to have four I mean, uh, stories and testimonies of people who have radically been changed and saved. And so that's the four weeks that we're doing an outreach emphasis. So I want to encourage all of us to bring people that need Jesus during those four weeks, because those four weeks we're going to focus on that and really believe God for a great harvest. So participate with us, be a part with us, and that's coming up. And In fact, the first first week of those four weeks, Pastor Robert will be giving his testimony, which he did last year. This year it's going to have a little bit different kind of wrinkle to it, so make sure you bring some folks with you, and it'll be awesome. Hi, I'm David Smith, and I'm one of the senior team members here, and I get to preach today because Pastor Robert and, and his wife Debbie and some of the other elders, are in Colorado Springs this morning because right now, guess what's happening at New Life Church in Colorado Springs? Brady is being installed. Brady Boyd is being installed as the new senior pastor. Isn't that awesome? So we're excited about that. So I get to share today about how to be an authentic witness. All right. So if you would turn to your Bibles in Acts 1 and while you're doing that, let me just make a couple of quick announcements. Acts 1, that will be our text today. Uh, Our worship team is is just awesome. God's given us a phenomenal worship team ministry here. Yeah. We already have one uh, one CD out that's called Living for You, and the next live recording is coming up in a couple of weeks. About it's on September 21st, and we'd love for you to participate. But obviously, we're gonna have more people than what we have room for. So the way we're handling that is you need a ticket to get in. Tickets are free, but you can get one in the information booth out in the lobby. So make sure you do that and be a part of that week with us on September 21st. All right, Acts one. Let me ask you something today. Today we're talking about uh, how to be an authentic witness. Uh, when that word witness comes to your mind, what do you think about it? I, I think most people think kind of some of the th- things that I think. I remember growing up in Oklahoma City, there was a guy on the street there, and had a real long beard, uh, kind, of, kind of dressed old-timey a little bit. He had placards around his chest, you know, of messages and things like that. And he would stand up on a soapbox kind of thing and preach to people on the street corners in downtown Oklahoma City. You know, signs would be uh, get saved or go to hell or, you know, uh, all these real engaging kind of things. You know what I'm saying? And I remember walking past him and thinking, how weird is that? You know, I mean, I was totally unchurched. You know, so I think most of us think that's what witnessing is. Or or we think, well, you stand up in the restaurant like Pastor Robert talked about a couple of weeks ago. You stand up in a restaurant and you tell everybody, you know, about your story and about how you got saved and things like that. And I think most of us think witnessing is that kind of thing. In fact, yesterday I went, I went to a bookstore, a Christian bookstore, and I said, what kind of witnessing tools do you have? And they said, well, uh, we, we've got some things. And so I went over and I picked up some stuff. And how many have ever seen tracks? You know what tracks are? Tracks are little printed pieces that you can give to people to kind of explain the gospel. And here's some, here's some tracks. Who is the real Superman? There's a the track, you know, trying to really be relevant to today. Here's a relevant one. Who's your idol? Cool. How about, are you on MySpace? You know, there's one. Here's another one for us guys. Fantasy football fanatics on the couch. I'm all over that one, baby, alright? That, that's a good one. I mean, these are different witnessing tools. Then I, then I looked at some other stuff. How about bumper stickers? Have you ever seen any bumper stickers that people put on their cars? Here's one, here's one that says... Warning: Exposure to the sun may prevent burning. You know, that's a real nice one, isn't it? Right, you know, how about this next one? I got. Uh, let's see. Warning: In case of rapture, this car will be unmanned. You know, I, I mean, honestly, when I was when I didn't know the Lord, I didn't have a clue what rapture meant. You know, I saw this. I remember seeing that back then sometime, and I thought, well, they misspelled that. It. It's supposed to be in case of rupture. You know, this car will be unmanned. Or, you know, if you want to really get radical, I mean, really get crazy, then you can do this, you know, at tonight's football game, you know, and, and have one of these, you know. In, in, in you know, that's if you really love God and really want to get out there. Is my hair okay? Did I mess it up? <laughs> you yeah, know, I mean, I'll, you know, these are tools and these are things that people do, but this is not Witnessing. That's not what witnessing is about. In fact, witnessing is so easy that I think we've made it something that it's really not. To be honest with you, it's the most enjoyable thing and it's fun to witness. But we've made it something else. And you might say, David, that's not me. Well, that's not me either. You don't have to be that way. Most of us, when we think about witnessing, we think about fanatical Just crazy, kind of way out on the edge. And if that's your thing, that's okay. But but for most of us, that's kind of not where we're at, and that's not where we feel comfortable with. You know, and and most of us would say, "David, I am not an evangelist. I'm not outgoing. I'm not I'm not an evangelist. I'm not talking about you having the gift of evangelism." There's people who are evangelists, and that's their gifting, and that's what they're supposed to do. But all of us are witnesses. Let me ask you this: uh, Do all of us need to pray? Yeah, Does that mean you have the gift of intercession? No, that's a specialized gift. What about, do we all need to read our Bible and study? Yeah, Yeah. but then there's some who are called to be teachers. What about serving? Do all of us serve? Yeah, we're supposed to, but some have the gift of serving. You get what I'm saying? All of us are supposed to be witnesses. We're all supposed to witness and share our story, share our faith, but some are called to do these extreme things or more... Specialized things, alright? And that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is witnessing. Is Everyone is a witness. Now, now today, I'm going to take away all of our excuses. Alright? I'm going to take away all the things that we use as excuses to not share our story. Because witnessing is easy and Jesus gave us the power to do what He's called us to do. Look at Acts 1. Acts 1, verse 4 through 8. Watch what the Bible says. And being assembled together with them, He commanded them... Not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, you have heard from Me. For John truly baptized with water, but you should be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now get the picture. Jesus has has been crucified. He's he's risen from the dead. He's been with the disciples. This is the last thing He says to the disciples. He says, I'm getting ready to go, but I'm going to leave something with you. In fact, I'm going to empower you to be able to do what I've called you to do. Because what I have for you to do... It's so incredible that you're going to need more than just your own strength and your own power to be able to do it. You're going to need the power of God in your life. And so he says, I want you to hang around and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you and empower you to do that. Then look what it says in verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Verse 8. You shall receive power. Who's he talking to? Who's he talking to? Us. Say it. Us. Is that for everyone? Yeah. Is that for just the lucky ones? No. Is that just for the elite ones? No. Is that for the special ones? Is that just for the outgoing personalities? No. He's saying, I'm going to leave and I'm going to give you the power to do what I've called you to do. That is for every single believer. Every believer. And you know what's incredible to me? Is that power that he wants to give us is really to be able to accomplish something. Now watch what the Bible says. You shall receive power. And then verse 8 says, and you shall be witnesses. He didn't say you're going to do witnessing. He didn't say I'm I'm going to send you to a witnessing program class to learn how to do this. No, you're going to receive the power to be able to enable you to do that. The greatest evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit is not that you speak in tongues and not that you do manifestations and have prophetic words. The greatest evidence of being filled with God's Spirit is power. You know what that word literally means? It's from the Greek word, it's deutamos. Dynamite. God's put dynamite in you to be able to pull off what God's called you to do. Because what He's called us to do is not just hang out on this earth and just enjoy our fellowship with Him. Hello? Now the reason we get saved is because we want to commune with God and know God in a personal way. But if that's all there was to it, the second you gave your heart to Christ, the second you got saved, God should have just killed you and taken you on up to heaven. Because man, you can have some great fellowship up there. We're left on this planet because there's a job to be done, there's people that need to be reached, and our story needs to be told. Hello? You hear me? Alright, so God's called us to do something great. And He's given us the power to be able to do that. That's what God wants. Now here's a fact. All of us are witnesses. If you know God, you have a story to tell. You're a witness. The question is, how good are we doing at that? Are we effective or ineffective? How are we doing? Now most of us have pleaded the fifth. You know, we get brought to the witness. Well, I'm not going to say anything because it might incriminate me. Hey, I've got news for you. You know what? We've all been incriminated already, alright? Every single one of us, you know, we're all guilty. But because of Jesus, because of the power of God, He's declared us not guilty because we've been forgiven. Alright? The problem is, is we're not telling our story. We're not letting people know what's happened in our life. And you know what's interesting to me? Is we tell our stories all the time. We just don't tell stories about that. I promise you this. Today, even today... Some of you, you've already witnessed. You may not have witnessed about what God's done in your life, but you've witnessed. You've told somebody a story about something. You said, I was at a bat, uh, football game last night, and man, uh, it was awesome. Or I went to this movie, and, or my kids are doing this, or, or I did this, or I experienced it. You're telling stories of what people have experienced and what you've experienced. We're already telling our stories. Why can't we tell the story of the greatest thing that's ever happened in our lives? It's amazing to me. We're intimidated by it. We're afraid of it. You know, for some reason we're all, we're all you know, caught up in ourselves and we're, we're not, not willing to share the greatest thing that's ever happened. Today I want to set you free of that. By the Holy Spirit, God's going to set us free of that. Because God's given us all a story that He wants us to tell. So, what is witnessing? What is that thing called witnessing? Let's look at it, alright? What is a witness? Point number one. I've written out a definition. I want you to write this out if you get a chance. Alright, do it right now. Here's what a witness is. A witness is someone who communicates accurately his or her experience of what he or she has personally seen or heard. You got it? Let's all say this out loud. Say it out loud with me. A witness is someone who communicates accurately his or her experience of what he or she has personally seen or heard. That's what a witness is. It's someone who communicates what they've seen or heard. Now, if you were to go out today and you drive out on South Lake Boulevard and you see a car wreck. all right. When they pull you in to be a witness, they're not, you're not going to need to know why that happened. They're not going to have, okay, well, did the brakes not work? I mean, you're not going to have to go investigate the brakes and see if the brake pads were right or not on the car. Or you're not going to have to dig into the person driving and find out why they didn't see the other car coming and all that. Here's all you're going to say. I don't have a clue about all that stuff. All I know is that red car hit the blue car. Because that's what I saw and that's what I heard. You're going to have to tell accurately what you've experienced on a personal basis. And that's really all that witnessing is. And in fact, all the disciples, that's all they did. They told us what they saw and what they heard. Every one of them told us what they... Look what the Bible says. Look. In Luke 7. 7.22. Jesus is telling John the Baptist's disciples. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things that you've seen and heard. That the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preach to them. He says, all I want you to do is go tell John what you saw me do and what you heard me say. That's all he did. Look what uh, the Bible says about Jesus. That's all he did. John 3.32. And what he has seen and heard, that he testified. That's all Je- Jesus was a witness the entire time his ministry was here. You know what he witnessed? You know what he told us? What he heard the Father say and what he heard the Father do. What he saw him do. He just told us that. What about Peter and John after they were in jail and forbidden to speak? Acts 4.20 For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What about Paul? Acts 22 For you will be the witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. See, they couldn't help but tell the great things that they've seen and heard. They've experienced something. They had a story to tell. How many in here tonight, right now, have a story to tell? How many have a story? All right, They couldn't help but tell the story. Have you seen a life change in your life? Have you seen God do a miraculous thing? How can we not tell but tell that story? How can we not help but do that? They were compelling because their story was personal. That's why people listened to them. They weren't telling some third-hand thing. They were telling what they had personally experienced. And can I tell you something? The most powerful tool you have is your story the most powerful thing we have is our story it's our testimony it's the things that God's done well I don't have a clue about all this other stuff all I know is man I was lost and all of a sudden I was found I was a jerk and then God changed my life into something significant we have a story to tell folks we've got to tell our story and you know what's funny is people can refute everything else in the world but your story when you say, I've experienced this, and this has happened in my life, they cannot turn around and say, No, you haven't, and No, you didn't. Now, they can debate the Bible all day long, and they can try to challenge everything else you bring to them, but they cannot debate what's happened in your life. It is the most powerful tool you have in your arsenal, telling your story of your personal experience of what God's done. Now, what qualifies us to be a witness? Well, it's real simple. Have you seen and heard anything? Have you experienced God? Have you experienced what God's done in your life? Hey, do you have a story to tell? Yes, you do. If you know Jesus, you have a story to tell. So, tell your story. And tell it Tell it in the way that you feel natural in telling it. When I met Jesus, now, I understand my background. I am, I am totally unchurched. I didn't go to church hardly at all when I was growing up. I didn't know anything about the church. I was unchurched. Okay, so, uh, you know, uh, I, when I was 17 years old, I've been... Uh, in construction most of my life because my, my father and my grandfather were developers in Oklahoma City area. So I was a framer. I was framing houses. And, and we had a week between these two houses. We were framing. We didn't have any work. And so I had a week off. And, and some friends of mine that had experienced the Lord and had a story to tell were telling me their story for about 12 months before this. And they were begging me to go to this Baptist church camp. Well, the last thing in the world I wanted to do when I was 17 is go to some boring Baptist church camp and hear some guy talk about something that I didn't relate with him at all. You know. And so they were begging me to go. I said, no, that's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to go to some Baptist church camp. And they said, oh, it's great. You'll love it. I said, no, no, I'm not going to do it. And they said, well, Dave, uh, you know, there's, there's about 6,000 kids. I said, you know... Uh, I don't want to go. They says, well, there's about ten girls to one guy. I said, sign me up. You know. I'll go. And so I went. And you know how interesting it is what God does in your heart, and you know how He prepares you? I was being prepared for about a year. And I was miserable. I was, I was real heavy into athletics and the music. I was in a band in high school and doing all this stuff. And... Having, you know, I, I was just miserable. I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. I, I I thought so many times, is this all there is to life? You know, this is existence. This isn't living. And I I, I was just I was just miserable. I, I wasn't happy. And I was looking for this answer. And I thought, you know, what if? What if this is the answer? And so I went with an open heart and an open mind to hear the good news. And on Tuesday night of that week, you know, there was an invitation. I didn't even know what an invitation was. I, ha- I didn't have a clue what that was, where they had people come forward and respond. And the preacher, you know, said, if you want to have a life change, if you want to see God do something miraculous in your life and change your life, come forward. And I was the first one down I gave my life to Jesus, lock, stock, and barrel. I mean, everything I had, I gave it to him. And I'm telling you, I have yet to get over that. And uh, something significant happened in my heart, and my life. I had a story. I remember my friends who took me, they said, Hey, uh, you want to give your testimony? I said, "What's that?" I said, "Well, you know, just tell your story." I said, well, "Yeah, to who?" They said, "Well, there's this church group that's, you know, uh, uh, going to meet afterwards and then, uh, you know, we're going to go over and kind of just talk with them and maybe you can give your story." So I said, "Yeah, I'll do that." So there's a couple hundred kids and the next night I went over and I just told them in my own words, kind of what I just told you, you know, my story. And I remember in the middle of that story I just felt there were some people there that were in the same place I was. And so in the middle of that, I says, maybe there's some of you that that you know are miserable like I was, and you need to give your heart to Christ. And so I said, do you want to do that? Now, I hadn't gone to witnessing school yet. <laughs> you know, I, I hadn't learned all the right ways to do stuff. I hadn't learned the wordings that you need to use and the Christianese that we all learn, you know what I'm saying? And I says, if any of you want to do that, come on down here. And five kids got saved that night. Isn't that hot? Isn't that great? I'll never forget it. I got back home on Saturday morning after this week, and and uh, my best friend, who knew me better than anybody, I called him up, and I said, "Rick, man, I've got to talk to you." He said, "What's going on?" I says, "Well, I just I, I got I got to come." What are you doing right now? Can I come over? He says, Come on over. I said, I gotta tell you what happened. So I got over to his house and I said, Rick, you will not believe what's happened to me. He says, What? I says, and I told him my story. I just said, he, You know me as well as anybody. You know how miserable I've been and boy. I I found the answer. He says, What? I says, I gave my life to Jesus. And I'll never forget him saying, Are you gonna be a preacher? I says, No, I'll never do that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh he said, man, I want that to happen to me. I said, well, man, let's just pray right now. So he did. And Rick got saved. Rick said, we got to go tell Lindy. <laughs> and so we hopped in our car and went over to our other good friend's house. And Lindy got saved. And Lindy said, man, we got to go tell Bill. And so we hopped in that car and went over, and guess what? Bill got saved. Now you know what's funny about that? I didn't, you know, I just told it in in a genuine, authentic way. You now I didn't know all the Christianese to use in the vernacular, you know. And I didn't go to Rick, and I didn't, I didn't say, "Hallelujah, praise God, Rick." <laughs> you know, I was a, re- I was a sinner, and I needed to repent of my sin. And so I asked Jesus to cleanse me with the power of the blood. And, you know, I didn't do all that. All right. He would have said, who are you? You No, I didn't do that. I just said, you know who I am. And this is what I've done. I told him my own way. My own words in an authentic way, a real way. That's what God wants. Because you know what? I'm unique and you're unique. We are who we are. God made you. Now listen to me. God made you uniquely you with the personality that He uniquely made you. And there's people in your life that only you can relate with. Now hear what I'm saying. There's nobody else on this entire planet that has the same connections that you have. Nobody. They don't have the same relatives. The same friends, the same coworkers, and the same neighbors that you have. Nobody on this planet. And for some of those connections that you have, you're the only Jesus they're going to ever see or hear. You're the only one. How can we not tell them the story? Well, now, David, I, you know, I just, I don't want to run them off. I don't want to scare them. I don't want to, I don't, you know, I don't want to cram it down their throat. People are wanting to hear real stories. People are wanting to hear real life changes. You know, let me ask you something. Where are you going to run them off to? Hell number two? (laughs) Hell number three, you know, if they're lost and doomed, if they die without God in their life, they're going to spend eternity separated from him. How can we not tell our story? How can we not share them the greatest thing that's ever happened in our life? How can we not do that? The only way that they're going to know is for you to tell them. Tell your story. That's what a witness is. A witness is someone that tells them what they've seen and what they've heard. Just tell them what you've seen and you've heard. Now, what does a witness not do? Let's talk about that, all right? Because there's some things that you need to avoid. What does a witness not do? Write this down. We don't argue. I've never ever once in my life won someone to Jesus that I had to argue into the faith. No, no. That's not what we do. We don't argue with them. We don't get mixed up with arguing about stuff. Okay, what about the dinosaurs? Okay, well, who gives a rip about the dinosaurs? All I know is I was a jerk and now I'm not, all right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, What about, you know, what about all the people in Africa that have never heard? Well, you know what? What about you? Because you have heard now. You know? Uh, I remember one time this guy, I mean, he was real philosophical and he says he wanted to debate how many angels can stand on the head of a needle. I went, who cares? (laughs) What does that have to do with you? You know, tell your story, stick to the facts, don't argue, tell them what's happened in your life. You're not God's defender. All you are is a person who tells what God's done in your life. You're a witness. You're telling what you've seen and what you've heard. You're going to share with them your story. All right? So stick with the facts. Number two, here's what a witness does not do we don't judge. You know, I love that little vignette that we did of Norm climbing up in the judge seat. You know what I'm saying? But that's not what we're supposed to do. We're not going going to judge. And see, the problem, part of the problem is in our society, is that's what people think we are, because that's all they feel from us. They feel this judgment and criticism and blame and we're sticking fingers in their faces. And You know, they don't need to feel that, folks. They need to feel our care and our love. Hello? They need to feel us really enjoying their life to the point where we want to see them know God. And loving them that much when we're sharing our story. We don't judge them. You know, they are who they are. Someone that doesn't know Jesus Oh, you know, the reason they act the way they do is because they don't know Jesus. It's it's not complicated. Sinners sin. I love what Pastor Robert says. He says, you know, get us straight. He says, dogs bark, cats meow, hunters hunt, golfers golf, sinners sin. It's real simple. Let's not expect them to act the way they're supposed to act before they know God. Let's quit judging them. So don't judge them. Don't make them feel this judgment from you. So, we don't argue, we don't judge, and we're not silent. I mean, you've got to say it. You've got to let it come out of your mouth and express that. You know, I I hear people say, Well, now, David, I'm not the outgoing type. And I'm just going to let my life be so pure that people are going to know, you know, that I love God and know that I give my life to Jesus. Well, I've got news for you, okay? There's a lot of good people in this world that don't know God. There's a lot of good moral people. I can take you up to Utah and show you a bunch of moral folks, but they're not redeemed. And if you don't tell people, they're not going to know. They may, they may think you're just a great person. They don't know what's made you a great person or made you a different kind of person. You know, I mean, we've got to tell them our story. Uh, uh, my wife one, one morning called me and she says, uh, uh, I'm in an accident. I'm in a wreck. Where are you? She says, I'm at this donut shop. I just pulled in. I was coming back into the car. I was pulling my car door uh, shut and this this car came right around and just caught my door and bam, just ripped the whole door off. And uh, I said, well, are you okay? She said, yeah, I says. I said, what are you doing? She said, well, I've gotten all the numbers down. I've got her name, this gal who was driving this car. It's not her car. It's her boyfriend's car. You know, and she wasn't supposed to have it out, so she's real freaked out about that. And and you know, so i got her phone number, and she didn't have her driver's license. And and you know, uh, I said, okay, all right, all right, I'll, I'll handle it. <laughs> Give me all the information. So I made a call that afternoon, got a hold of her boyfriend, who owned the car, and I said, hey, can I come by and talk to you? Because you know, we didn't want the insurance messing around with. You know, we just kind of wanted to handle this ourselves. So I drove over to, to meet him. And when I drove up, I just felt the Holy Spirit kind of just say something to me, just a word of caution: be careful. I didn't know what that meant, but anyway, we talked. I wasn't mad, I wasn't angry. I didn't, I didn't explode on him. I didn't say, you know. And he was real frustrated because his girlfriend had driven the car without him knowing it. And so he said, "Look, let me try to get some things worked out, and let's connect back up in the morning." So I said, "Okay, I'll call you back." So I called him in the morning. Didn't get a hold of him. But the phone rang and someone answered, and I says, "Is this so and so?" And he says, "No, but I'm his father." I said, "Okay, well, uh, uh, we he had a wreck yesterday. I told him the whole story." He says, "Well, he's not here right now." I says, "Really?" I says, "Do you know where he is?" He says, "No. When's the last time you talked to him?" I says, "Yesterday afternoon." He says, "Well, he was picked up and thrown in jail this morning." I said, "Really?" And He says, "Yeah." I says, "Well, why was he thrown in jail?" He says, "Well." Because he and his girlfriend murdered a man yesterday and stole their car. This was an old man's car that they had murdered the night before, stole the car, ran into us. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, this is not a circumstance. This is a divine appointment. This is something I want you to follow through on. You have a story to tell this guy. And so I said, well, what jail is he in? And he told me where he was. And so... Two days later, Lynn and I drove out to where this jail was. And I went up and I said, I need to see so-and-so and so-and-so. And because I was a pastor, they said, okay. So this guy comes in. And you know what the first words from his mouth were to me? <laughs> it was amazing. He said, I knew you would come see me. I said, why did you think I would come see you? He says, I just thought you had something to say to me. I said, I could have been silent. I could have not said anymore. I could have let it rest like that. But had I not told him and followed through on that and told him from my mouth my story, he never would have known. And so I shared with him what God had done in my life and how God loved him so much and how God has a destiny and a purpose for his life. And right there in that jail cell, he prayed and received Christ as his Lord and Savior. And then his girlfriend did the same thing. <laughs> You can't just be silent. You can't expect people to know the truth if you don't tell them the truth. I'm not talking about cramming it down their throat. I'm not talking about forcing them. I'm just talking about in a natural way telling your story. What are the things that we do? What does a witness do? That's the things we don't do. We don't argue, we don't judge, and we don't be silent. So what do we need to do? All right, just quickly, let me tell you, we will see the opportunities and create conversations. And trust me on this. There are opportunities every day of your life. If you look for them, there are divine appointments that God has for you. All right, when your neighbor comes over and talks to you or or when you sit in an airplane right next to someone else that you don't know and you have got 3 hours right there, I mean there's an opportunity. What about ski lifts and going skiing? I love to go skiing and I, I one of my favorite things is is that you know when you go skiing, you can either go with a bunch of people or you can go in the single line. I love going in the single line because you can get on the chairlift with three other people that you don't know and guess what? You've got them for 10 minutes. You know? <laughs> Cuz they ain't going to jump off, all right? They're right there. I love that, and it's amazing how many conversations you can create. There are ways you don't, and once again, you don't go in real preachery or churchery, or you know, you, you don't come off religious. You just in a natural, regular way, just like you tell about all the other things in your life. You tell them about the greatest event that's ever happened in your life. You tell them your story. I've won probably a dozen people to Jesus off the ski lifts, just by doing that. You create conversations. You see the opportunities that God places right before you. And you seize those and you create conversations and let God use your story to be able to do that. Second thing you do is we will go where the people are. One of the concerns I have about us as believers is that sometimes we isolate ourselves. And we're not around under other unbelievers. But there are unbelievers everywhere. Befriend some of them. Get to know your neighbor. Get to know the people around you at work. Befriend them. You know what's interesting about Jesus' ministry? Now listen to this. 132 times He had contacts with people in the the Gospels. Six of those were in the synagogue and in the temple. Four of them were in the synagogue. 122 of those were out in the mainstream of life. We need to infiltrate our world And let our story be told so that Jesus can come alive in other people's lives. And for some of those folks, you will be the only one that will ever tell them about the gospel. You'll you'll be the only one that will ever be real enough in front of them to be able to share your story. And the third thing that we're going to do is we will be authentic. We're not going to be fake. We're not going to be phony. Most people think we're insincere. They think we're just a bunch of radicals. They don't think we're real. They don't think we're trustworthy. Well, now's your chance to prove them wrong. Be real. Be authentic in front of them. And just be natural and tell them your story. Tell them your story. Lynn and I uh, have five kids. And our fourth child, Matthew, uh, was born and had major damage, major, problem, major problems when he was born. And so uh, for six months we were in the hospital with him in the neonatal ICU unit. And uh, uh, he was not supposed to live Miraculously, God spared his life. He had five major surgeries in those six months. And, uh, he is just an incredible gift from God. He's, he's a special needs boy. He still has a lot of special issues and that we have to deal with. But he's an awesome gift to us. During that six months, it was amazing how God gives you grace to be able to live through those. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, during those six months, you know, Linda and I didn't freak out. We weren't, we weren't, you know, uh, just torn up about it because we knew how faithful God was. We'd walked with God through other situations in our life, and we just learned that He's sovereign. He's, he, he's going to take care of us no matter what, and He's going he's to be able to help us do what, what He called us to do. So during that season, you know, we were, we were dealing with it and just trusting God in the process. And a couple of months into it, the doctors and the nurses started talking with us and just talking about why we were responding the way we were. Because they had 50 other kids inside that unit, and their parents weren't handling it real well. And they said, how are you doing this? And so we just started sharing our story, sharing our faith a little bit with them. And uh, in that process, they said, would you mind spending some time with some other couples, talking about them, uh, about, uh, about that with them? And so we said, oh, we'd love to. So in that season, we got to spend with multiple families, winning other families to Jesus. Why? because we are being authentic and we weren't ashamed of the gospel we weren't ashamed of the story that God had given us to be able to share with others trust me when I tell you this what God's done in your life is not to be kept silent you have a story to tell someone told me in a world where people are screaming for help the church is stuttering we need to tell our story Witness. Be an authentic witness. And you'll be amazed at what God will do with your life. Let's pray together. Every head bowed and every eye closed. God wants you to be an authentic witness. He wants you to be able to share your story. He wants you to be able to share what God's done in your life in a real way. And there are people around you every day that need to hear that story. You may be here today and you may say, I don't have a story. Well, today you can get a story. Today you can be able to receive the Lord and have a story to be able to tell. Some of you may say, well, uh, there's issues in my life that keep my story from being effective. Well, let's let's deal with those today. Let's pray over those and let God give you strength to overcome those areas of your life. You may lack courage. You may be ashamed. You may be afraid. All those are things that God can overcome. In a minute, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to stand up and we're going to have ministry teams down in front. And I want to encourage you, if any of those things are in your life, let's get those dealt with today. Let God deal with those today, all right? And let God minister to those today, all right? I'm going to pray, and as soon as I finish, I just want you to determine your heart. You know what? I'm going to go forward, and I'm going to let God minister those needs in my life. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for what you're doing in our lives and what you've spoken to us today. And I pray in Jesus' name that every person that needs to respond today to this Word, God, you would bring them forward now and help them respond to the Word that you're giving them in their life. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand up at your feet. I'm going to ask all ministry teams to come forward. If there's any area in your life that you need ministry for or prayer for, please come forward right now.